Hello and welcome back to another episode of Pioneer Pigskin, the college football program on the End Zone Podcast channel. I do believe we did this. I want to say we did this last week because I think everyone was uh, in action. But uh, no Austin with us today. He had a birthday party for a friend. So we decided to record today on Monday and bring in a good friend of the program, Brian Brown. Welcome to Pioneer Pigskin. This one of one of the final episodes of the year. We're gonna. I, I've decided. I was just texting Austin about this before we got started here today. I'm thinking we'll probably do the last two weeks of a regular season per usual, and then if Utah makes it to the Pac-12 championship game, maybe a bonus episode there, maybe a bowl preview episode or a bowl recap episode whenever the bowls wrap up but until then uh, but after that it gets kind of quiet for a little while unless maybe we do a surprise transfer portal episode whenever that goes crazy in mid-january as it usually does but we're we're nearing the end of can you see the finish line brian can do, do you have the end of football season within your sights not only can i see it but i can feel it and then you can hear it in my voice as it's gradually losing steam and uh i actually think this is my first time uh, appearing on the pioneer pigskin podcast i've been on end zone before but never pioneer pigskin so. yes this is this is this is definitely this was a newer venture as of this year and i definitely did want to get you on it a few times so i'm glad we did before the season totally wrapped up here as Amen. my if you hear that jingling in the background, I have a pile of keys on my desk that I just had to touch, which <laughs> was not great for an audio medium. Uh, but yes, lots to get to this uh, weekend. I, I won't lie. This show often kind of devolves into a Utah podcast. I I watch. I like to watch every team, but yeah, I graduated from Utah. I know the most people who know the most about Utah. Um, and BYU was on bye this week. And mm-hmm. Utah State, their game was televised on some third-party app out there. BN, right? Is it BN? No, no, it was Spectrum. That's the, right. The Spectrum Spe- Sports. The Spectrum Sports app, which I, I could not find and download in time to watch while I while I produced for radio broadcasts of that. So I, I have some thoughts on the Utah State game because I, I obviously paid attention to that and kind of know what happened. But really, my attention began was on mute, but I watched this University of Utah football game against the Stanford Cardinal. And I would say this went as most Utah games against inferior opponents have gone this year. Mm-hmm. Slow, sl- slow start. Kind of really struggled in the first quarter, go into the second quarter down seven nothing, kind of get going at the end of the second, up 14 seven going into half, and then they just take control in the second half, blow them out and don't look back. And that's that's sort of how this Utah season has gone when they've played bad teams. But here we are, uh Utah eight and two and going into next week at Oregon. For a chance to play in the Pac-12 title game, once again, I'll, I'll just say this, Brian. I think for as up and down as the season has been, and for as many c- concerns as there have been, it, it, 
we kind of went into this season saying, wow, where like it doesn't look like there are very many weaknesses on this Utah team. Turned out there were a lot of weaknesses. But I would say those are getting mitigated right now, and the team is playing its best football going into the game it needs to play its best football. In. Talking football, I think this is a team that is starting to play its best football. You're correct. Uh, I think part of that is because Utah's had to dig deep into the roster and use some guys that they didn't necessarily expect to use. They are battered. Uh, they are injured. They are a walking wounded. They are a core of um, just a malady of, of varieties of injuries. You know, a lot of lower legs, as Kyle Whittingham likes to say. Uh, a lot of upper bodies. We don't really get specifics when it comes to the injury reports. And so... Um, I think the difference is, is that this is a team that's starting to really um, grow in, in, in the positions that uh, maybe we, well, I, I shouldn't say grow, but um, that, that's starting to gel with, with the players that are coming up uh, because of injury. You know, we saw Coley Fayou um, take over as the third string center, and practically nobody noticed. In fact, it was, I was scrolling my timeline during the game. And I was like, is anybody going to report this? Am I the only one who's who's actually watching this? And obviously I am the only one who pays attention to the offensive line. It's fine. So, you know, I think that's a very important part about it. But you mentioned something. I think this team came in with a ton of expectations, and there was a lot of talk about them being a potential college football playoff uh, contender, that they were kind of the dark horse. And so I think sometimes that feels like it's been a failure of a season, but really outside of a really – lackluster performance at UCLA and a tough loss on the road in the opening game at Florida. This team's fit, hit their expectations. Yeah, you know, expectations were really high coming into the season, and while it's tough not to be involved in the conversation for the college football playoffs, and you're probably not going to be because if there was ever going to be a two loss team put in, it's probably more likely to be one of these sec powerhouses that has two losses right now, but have some really quality resume wins like Alabama and LSU, but you know, eight and two that that's really good. You know, that, that, that is typically the expectation at Utah is that you come in and you win between nine and 11 games and that's going to be what they what they hit this year. And my kind of thought is this, before we get too, too deep into the game, I started really thinking about this, about when they started to pull the starters. Outside of maybe Clark Phillips the third, and then I, I don't believe Dalton Kincaid has any eligibility left. But to me, it, it, it kind of makes sense for almost every key contributor on the team to come back next year. And I know that probably won't happen. You know, you want players to go out and get their money. And Cam Rising is definitely a guy that could be drafted in the NFL this year. But I personally, if I were him, I'd look and I'd say, I'm probably going to be a third to fifth round pick. And if I come back to Utah for a year with maybe Brant Keithy coming back as well because of the injury, uh, I don't know. It seems like there would be some benefit for some of these seniors to come back 
uh, for some, not seniors necessarily, but some of these older players to come back next year. Yeah, and I think the COVID thing is is a big part of it, right? Because that 2020 season, they didn't play a ton of games. Uh, only four actually got played, and and so that screwed up eligibility for a lot of these guys. Uh, Dalton Kincaid is done. His his eligibility has expired. Same with Logan Kendall. Um, if you look at you know Solomon Enos, he's been there forever. Uh, and, and his eligibility is expired. So those are really the big ones in terms of like what you're saying in, in, with key contributors. I think it's like you're saying, the the, the Brand Keithies, Thomas Yatmin, uh, Makai Bernard, Tavion Thomas, those are the guys I think that you're you're more zeroing in on in terms of key contributors. And I I do, there is an argument for them staying. There really is. And people are going to be sitting here saying like, no, 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 go get your money. Well, the argument is that they can get an NIL deal and, and still get paid and come back and play at Utah. I don't think Cam Rising hit his potential uh, the way that he wanted to this year. Um, I definitely don't think that Tavion Thomas did. Uh, Makai Bernard, always fighting off injuries, and he is a super freak, but he's also a year, a year younger than everybody else. So there is that argument in terms of, you know, go go play another year at Utah, get paid at Utah, get that development. I think the problem is that the NIL money is not there for Utah to keep those guys in tow, number one. Number two, that's a really hard program to be in. Uh, you know, Kyle Whittingham is an incredibly tough coach, and for good reason, and, and they press those guys extremely hard. They push. You can see it this year. I think you could see it, especially in that Stanford game. That was a team that just didn't have a lot of juice. And we've seen that a few times this year, haven't we? Like SUU, they really started off slow. Uh, UCLA struggled in that one. You know, we keep seeing these teams show up, and I got to be honest, people are going to say, "Oh, it's just an everything." No, these kids are just running to the ground, right? They're really tired. Uh, they're worked hard. They're really pushed hard. And and I'm not I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that's part of playing at the University of Utah, and. So mentally, I think it gets a little bit, you know, exhausting. And then on top of that, they got to go to school. And I think that's that's the argument for a lot of these dudes is they just don't want to go to class anymore. And I think you and I can both like identify with that, right? Yeah, I sympathize. You know, I, I probably a year ago I would say, oh, you know, class, it's it's not that bad. But I'll tell you what, Brian, a year removed from uh, not even a full year. But like three months removed from class, I would not blame any of them. I mean, class class stinks. Like yeah, that. class sucks. And and <laughs> and I think one thing that you learn as you get older is like your time is so valuable to you, right? Yeah. Like like and and the amount of time you have to spend studying and all that other stuff, it's unless you have a real purpose for it, it's not worth it. And so I think that's you know the the, the kind of back and forth with it. A guy like Yasmin, I think, is the guy who really needs to come back. Um, because he's the one that we're just barely starting to see him scratch the potential. He's been at Utah for five years, so I get it on his end. You know, he's had his ups and downs, and he's a guy that, you know, his confidence level is is the, is the thing that he has to work on the most. And, you know, it's it's a tough balance because on one hand, like for a place like Utah, you kind of have a real thick skin to play football there because they demand a lot out of you. But you also have to have a thick skin to play in the NFL or the XFL or any place like that, right? So it's just, um, you know, I it, it's a unique question, but I think um, the NIL scape and all that kind of stuff has really changed 
how that question gets answered because for so long it was always just like, yeah, go get the money. The money's not going to last, so you need to go get it. The other thing that diving into this specific game that's really impressive about Utah is they have turned a corner defensively, whereas before going into that UCLA game, heck, even going into like Arizona, there were questions about can the team get pressure with four? Can they get to the quarterback? And then they go against Stanford, a team that's, you know, now granted, Stanford has fallen off. We can we can be honest about that. They are not the same team they have been under David Shaw for his entire career. But yeah, they no- started a they started a walk on safety and running back this week. I mean, that's right. That that alone is just like a sign of where they're at in terms yeah. of injuries and roster stuff. But they're a team that's known for being tough in the trenches, and Utah put up seven sacks. Seven sacks on any day against any team is incredibly impressive, and. To have that defense playing that way going into Oregon is really helpful because honestly, and I think we can kind of shift this because I do want to preview this Oregon game a little bit just because it is so big. That's a good thing because I I don't think this Oregon game is going to be like either of the Oregon games last year. I just, I don't foresee it being that way because they're, Oregon, like Utah, didn't have a ton of roster turnover. It's a lot of the same guys who came back. And I can guarantee you that day one that Dan Landing came into that program, he talked to those guys and was like, hey, you know, we play Utah this year here in Oregon. You guys got embarrassed by them twice last year. That's our biggest game of the year. Like, we have just got to be playing our best football going into that game. And I understand that it's going to be, it's deflating to lose to Washington and maybe lose your shot at going to the college football playoffs, but they're going to be ready. And I, I, to me, it wasn't the USC game for me this year. If it scared me the most on this schedule, it was Oregon because this, this game is going to be incredibly tough. And honestly, for as much as well as Utah is playing right now, as well coached as they are as good as Tavion Thomas looked as good as Cam Rising looked I kind of think Oregon might come out and just punch him in the mouth and, well, and, and and I'm interested to see how they respond because I think Oregon is going to come out and they're just going to play their best football and they're going to try to blow them out like that's that, that's kind of the way I think it's going to go yeah, it's it's an Oregon group that has a lot of pride, you know, and 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 you mentioned a lot of guys that are returning, especially up front in that Oregon offensive line, and they're playing with confidence. You know, I think uh, Washington, notwithstanding, that was a team that was really uh, firing offensively at the very least um, on all cylinders. I think the unique part about it was we saw there were flaws in the Oregon secondary and the Oregon defense where they would kind of find those lapses, right? And and we saw it against Colorado a little bit. Definitely saw it, you know, saw how it, it hurt. He got hurt against Washington. And, and look, I mean, some of that is, is Michael Penix Jr. is just like, the, you know, the the smoothest, silkiest lefty I've ever seen. And when you're throwing to guys like Jalen McMillan and, and Romo Dunze, like that's, if you're a Broncos fan, you want Romo Dunze and Jalen McMillan with your team right now. Uh, those guys are that high caliber of wide receivers. Um 
that being said, like, you know, I, I think you made the point this was their biggest game. I think their biggest game was Georgia. This is by far and away the biggest conference game. Still is. Everything's on the table for every one of these teams in terms of getting the Pac-12 championship game. It's You've got to win now. Um, so that's the big thing in terms of, I think, mapping this out. The big question, obviously, for everybody, how healthy is Bo Nix? He's been the biggest addition that they made. Uh, you know, I don't, and I don't know. You're not a huge college football guy, but anybody who watched the SEC, Bo Nix uh, at Oregon and Bo Nix at Auburn seem like two different quarterbacks. Very different. Yep. 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 And I think that's uh, you know, credit to Dan Lanning, credit to Dan Lanning in 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 Matts for what he's done this season. You know, that team has been on on top of things up until you can say it was a fall apart game against Washington. I'm not going to say that because I think it was just that's that's football. You know, you're sometimes you get punched in the mouth, you got to punch back, and you expect the other the other team to falter, and they don't. And you know, Washington caught some breaks, and and Oregon did it, and and so Washington pulls it out. But um, you know, you can talk about breakdowns and things like that. I think the unique aspect of this is that Utah's going to have their hands full because Bo Nix is like every other athletic quarterback that they've faced this year, and they've really had a problem outside of maybe Jalen Delara keeping those guys in check. But you mentioned the, the pass rush. I think two things have happened with that. I think one is the emergence of Jonah Ellis, who is a madman. We call him, in my friend group, we call him the loiterer. He's just that dude that's just loitering everywhere you go. Just like, you're like, why are you here? Like, why are you at the 7-Eleven when I'm getting snacks? Like, he just he just kind of is always there, always, I don't want to say intimidating, but like bothering you. He's just pesky, like a little brother or a cat, you know, and maybe he's a little... Little uh, little Teddy action there for uh, the behind the curtains, but the other part of it too is is Kamote Peppa, and and I love it when you sack him, Big Peppa. Like that dude is is a guy that I've been touting for a long, long time. Talked to him in spring, you know. I I, I asked him. I said, "Who do you think is the best pass rusher on this team?" And I, because I think it's you, and he kind of smiled and he's like, "Well, I mean, I don't want to say it, but yeah, I do." And and now you're starting to see it, right? And I think that goes back to what we talked about, where Utah's got to get better about pay, playing their young guys and getting them up to speed quicker and, and letting them make some mistakes on the fly. Uh, you know, we saw it with Lander Barton against Florida, and you see how well he's playing now. Same with Samadhi Peppa, all that kind of stuff. So it's just it's one of those things where you know, that kind of development, while it's the hallmark of Utah's program, they've got to find a way to get guys implemented sooner uh, because it's going to help in games like this, right? You've got to have some depth. You've got to play a lot of guys on the defensive line. That's a very, very, very talented Oregon offensive line. And, uh, you know, they lost uh, – I always want to say Troy Dye, but it's not Troy Dye. Um, but uh, USC, and uh, they didn't skip a beat, you know, in terms of rushing. And uh, Travis Dye, excuse me. Um, <laughs> in fact, if I, as, as I'm looking at it right now, Travis Dye – uh, 88 yards per game. Bucky Irving has 84 for Oregon, and then they have uh, Noah Whittington, who has 70 yards a game. And that's on top of Bo, Bo Nix, who's adver averaging 50. So, like, that's a guy like, to lose that much production from last year and actually increase it into this year. Major credit to that offensive line. Absolutely. Briefly, before we close out here, Utah State. Got a win this week against Hawaii. Uh, 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 just a, one thing here on this. Nothing is easy for Utah State. Nothing is easy for Utah State. 
Hawaii, a two and eight team. I get that traveling to Hawaii is really hard. I'm incredibly impressed they won this game. I honestly thought they were going to lose it going into it. But they, like, they're probably a bowl team. They are probably a bowl team. But, like, barely. Just barely. Because it's, it. it, I don't want to say something stupid. You know, like, they're a football team that has worked extremely hard, that has played extremely well over the past four weeks. They never win pretty. It's always a hard-fought defensive usually win, and they're getting wins. And that's a huge credit to Blake Anderson and the coaching staff. But yeah. part I of mean, me they're 5-5 five say- five right now, so they're going to – like one yeah. more win gets them in the bowl, right? So I think the bowl aspect is huge. I think there's a lot of adversity that this team has faced, and I think that's the part that like you're you're kind of isolating on, right? Like all the off field stuff as well, right? Right? Like right. you lose your your AD mid season. There's all that lawsuit stuff, and uh, you know, on top of that, the Logan Bonner situation. You know, that's that's a lot. When Cooper Lagat took over, it really kind of settled this team a lot. Because I think before that, Logan Bonner was trying, trying, trying. The body just wasn't there and wasn't up for it. And I think it's one of those things where you can't really hate on a guy for that, you know? And 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 I know fans are very adamant about, like, well, just make the change, make the change. And really for culture purposes, that can be really hard. Um, but, you know, I think you're right. This team has fought through a lot, and, and that <laughs> – I mean, I, you saw Scotty G's Instagram. Like, this is a stadium that doesn't even have a scoreboard. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's how wild things are in Hawaii right now. And it's a program that's that's definitely down in Hawaii. And and I think, you know, we can talk about why Hawaii is down because I think it's really fascinating to me. But, um, you know, you lose all your players to the mainland essentially because of COVID. And, and so you just don't have the recruiting base that you used to. But still, that's a long trip, a lot of traveling, like you said. And and this is a team that I think coming off of last season, this season was always going to be a bit of a evening out year, you know, like like but we look at where Utah State has come from, you know, this used to be a program where getting to be bowl eligible meant everything. And by that I mean like 10, 15, 20 years ago, right? And now you look at it and it's like, well. Did they have a good season? They're you know five and five right now, and you know went on the road and played at Alabama, and and you know handled all this adversity. The fact that they're still out there winning games is huge credit to Coach Anderson and his staff. Now uh, they've got an interesting problem, I guess, ahead of them because up until this point they've hit the transfer portal really hard. I think they've got to start going after some local guys in recruiting to really build that base and, and keep the program rolling forward. And boy, there's a ton of local talent out there to, for them to recruit. But, um, you know, I, I credit to them. And, and I mean, that was a down of the minute game and they fought through it and, and pulled it out. So, you know, I, I, I'm trying to remember who they got left on the schedule. It's San Jose State this week. That's going to be a tough one, but that that probably determines whether they are a bowl team or not. And then a very tough way to finish the season, they have to travel to Boise, which historically they they do not play well at Boise. So 
it's going to be tough to to get a bowl game. You, I feel like you have to win next week. I feel like that's way too much pressure to put on yourself to not only be playing a rivalry game, but also then have that matter for bowl eligibility, especially at that point, Boise State's going to be still in a pretty heated divisional race with Hawaii for, for not Hawaii, pardon me, Wyoming for the division. So to me, they've got to win it at home against San Jose State this week and they'll be fine. But uh, two very tough games to finish up the season but 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 also you know anyone can lose in the mountain west conference this year like it, it it's it's a really fun conference to follow i've actually watched just a crap ton of mountain west football this year it's been kind of a weird hobby i've picked up but anyone can lose on any given week and i and i mean that like anyone in the conference so they could they could lose this week and then win at boise that's that's a total possibility there's a you know there's a lot that can happen from here to the end of the season but it'll be entertaining nonetheless yeah and and listen i i remember the mountain west days and a lot of these teams are familiar because way way back in the day when there was a 16 team whack uh, you know, San Jose State was a team that you thought had to go and play. And you know, I'm looking at the the FPI here on ESPN, and it has SC, or SJSU favored by 61%. You know, what it's really going to require is it's going to require that Aggie offense to be more efficient than they have been and put points on the board. I think that's the bottom line. Now, senior night at home, Maverick Stadium, I think that's a great opportunity for them to go out and get a win. Um like the other thing too, like you said, like any team can beat any team on any given night. You know, I think the fun part about that 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 conference is that you know you've got teams like Air Force that are in there sticking their nose into everything, and and they probably have no business being three and three in the conference. And and but that's how it always is, right? You know, and then you've got San Diego State, who you know when we saw them play against Utah, it looked like they were washed, right? And then they're out here starting a converted safety at quarterback and sitting four and two in the conference, you know, right behind Fresno State. So it it, it is a crazy, crazy conference. It's a lot of fun to watch. Oh, uh, and and Fresno State just got their quarterback who we thought was gone for the year back last week. Jake Hayner is back. He is playing yeah. like I saw that last week that he was starting this week, and I was shocked. Like I, I was absolutely shocked. I thought he was done for the year for sure, but he's back there. And now Fresno state looks, you know, Fresno state was the favorite for the conference basically going into the season. Because of Hayner, right? Right. Like, Hayner's that dude. Like we talk about him. Jake Hayner is him. Yeah. Like, he's that guy that like you watch him and you're like, this is an adventure. I love, love watching him play toughness, crit, all that kind of stuff. Undersized QB. You know, I, I, I mean, you made a great point with that. Like, there's just and Boise State, you know that that's a team. I can't believe that BYU going up there and beating Boise State is a major feather in the BYU cap because that's a damn good football team for Boise State too. So anyway, I'm getting all hyped up over Jake Hayner over here. Absolutely. All right, dude. Well, this has been fun. We will be back next week at a normal time, probably Sunday. Um, late <laughs> night of games this week again, so. You know, 7.45 for Utah State and 8.30 for Utah. So at least I'll be able to watch the end of the Utah game. I'm pretty excited for that. I think it's going to be a close one. 
thanks so much for joining me again, Brian. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, man. Love it. All right. We will be back next week. Plan on the football show being out on Wednesday. See you, man. Peace out.